0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Synergy Cast. I am your host, Sonya Joffer, and on this week's episode, I'm very grateful to introduce you all to Adalola Adasanya, who is one of my childhood friends from high school. We both grew up in the suburb of Naperville together, which I've talked a lot about on this podcast before. But she joins me today for a conversation where we both really open up and we dive deep. We open up about our personal experiences, about some of the challenges that we faced growing up in the suburb of naperville illinois which is a conservative suburb as by poc women and i want to acknowledge that you know if you're familiar with the suburb of naperville or if you may have grown up there yourself you may have had a different experience or you might be able to relate to some of our own experiences but Adalola and I are basically just talking from our own personal experience and we acknowledge that that looks different for everybody so just keep that at the forefront of your awareness that we're simply just talking from our own perspective but Adalola also opens up and shares her experiences being a part of the LGBTQIA community. She discusses some of her feelings and thoughts regarding the Black Lives Matter movement. She talks about her experiences going to therapy and how she's learned to build back autonomy, balance different aspects of her culture, and find a community that has helped her feel supported. I want to put a content warning out there that we do dive deep in this episode, and therefore we discuss experiences regarding racism and anti-black violence, along with some other very heavy topics, so if you find some tough emotions or heavy feelings coming up for you, please utilize that self-care while listening, and it's okay to take breaks if you need it. If you want to follow Adalola on Instagram, you can do so at Mischief Managed T. And also check out her YouTube channel, Ade POV. And I also put the link and all of that in the episode notes. So go check her out and show her some love. Also, she referenced her brother's business in this week's episode. So if you want to check that out as well, it's called Egbara Life. The Instagram is at agbara life and the website is agbaralife.com shop and i've put all of that in the episode notes as well so go check that out if you're looking for some nice sleek backpacks tech wear that's your place (laughs) go check it out i also put a resource in the episode notes if um, you need support, if you are a part of the LGBTQIA community, there is a beautiful organization called the Trevor Project and they have a 24 seven hotline. If you need support, if you're in crisis, reach out and it's okay to ask for help. All right, everyone. That's it for the episode notes. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. It is a heavy one, but Adalola and I both are very open people. So it's very empowering for us to share our story and our experience. And we hope that you walk away with something from it. Thank you for tuning in. So welcome to the show, Adalola. I'm so excited to have you here. I just, I'm really grateful that you're here. So thank you. <laughs>
1: oh, thanks. Okay.
0: Yeah, and I know that like we know each other from high school. We grew up in the same town, Naperville. So that's how we kind of know each other. And I know since high school, I think you were like a year ahead of me. So Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> that yeah. didn't really matter, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so I've been, like, following you on social media, and I've seen, like, you've gotten to live in, like, a few different cities. Like, I know you lived in Chicago for a bit, um, and then I know you moved to D.C., so what else do you want to share about yourself to the listeners before we get started?
1: Um, yeah, okay, so I'm 25 years old. I am a Nigerian-American. I was born in Maryland, grew up in Ipilu, like she said. And uh, now I live in D.C. right now. And I have lived in California as well. So I've been kind of around, I would say. But um, I have a lot of interests. Anything creative, like that has to do with cameras, tech, uh, travel, storytelling, all that stuff. I am a Cancer Sun, a Taurus Moon, and a Sagittarius Rising. So me moving a lot and being a lot definitely is my rising. (laughs) Um, I definitely come off like a Sagittarius. But if you get to know me, I'm definitely um, a Cancer and one by myself, I'm definitely a Taurus. So it's a good mix. It explains me well, if you know anything about that, so.
0: Yeah. Definitely, yeah, like, I think we've talked about this, but I'm a Taurus son. So I feel like that's mm-hmm. what me and you vibe a little bit because I- Yeah, I, 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 I don't. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> understandable.
0: <laughs> definitely, yeah. And so, so we did mention that you are first generation um, also, you are a Nigerian American. also you grew up like majority of your childhood in Naperville, Illinois, which is like I've spoke about on this podcast before is a very like white dominated kind of conservative suburb in uh, the yeah. Chicagoland area. So and also you are uh, identify as being LGBTQ plus a part of that community. So yeah. how was that like what was your experience like growing up in a city like Naperville?
1: You know? I would like to say just quick disclaimer, I am very grateful for Naperville and I'm very grateful for my mom you know doing whatever she could to like have us you know grow up there. but like you stated, I belong to neither of those categories. <laughs> I am black, I was in the lower class um, We were, that's why we were very grateful just to go to the school but um, it was hard. I'm not gonna lie, it was really difficult. Um, racism was not as it is now, it was not discussed. It was very hushed there. It was just really ignored. And so I didn't know how to like navigate through all that because I've heard so many things that I just repressed. And so I think at the time it didn't really bother me as much because I was dealing with so much other stuff. But like now I look back and I'm like, I don't know how I let some of that stuff slide. It was hard. I will have to say that it was hard.
0: Yeah, exactly. And like the mental health aspect, too, because looking back, you mentioned, I don't think in the moment, I realized what impact that all of this was happening on my mental health. But now as I am older, and I'm like, looking back, like you said, I'm like, did I not like respond to somebody when they made a comment like that? or something? Yeah, I'm like, that really impacted my mental health, for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm I remember, I guess it was like, yeah, the beginning of college when I went. Um, you know, I'm in a different city. I'm, you know, I'm with different people. I think I was really quiet. If you knew me in high school, I was really loud and annoying. Like I just that's how I coped. So <laughs> um, but when I went to college, like I think I just like sat back and I listened and I got to meet so many different people and I got to learn what they're you know, I was listening to what they were saying and I don't know how I let things slide. Like they opened me up to a different world and perspective. So I did realize that made me go through a really bad mental spiral when I left April. So like that definitely like affected everything for me in the beginning of my adult journey. But yeah.
0: Even what we were taught in class in high school. Like in grade school overall, but like, especially since we're talking about high school, those history classes, I look back and I'm just like, what? Like, why did we learn this? And I think we were talking about this, God. we were planning for this podcast, how we were basically not taught about Black history at all. We were taught about slavery, but like, that isn't all of Black history.
1: Let me tell you something. I <laughs> learned nothing. I learned absolutely nothing and I I felt so stupid when I grew up and like even now some things I still don't know but I you know I've obviously taught myself but I felt so behind on so much and then I it's hard for me to say oh Naperville North is such an amazing school because I feel like yes it was on paper but I don't think I learned anything I don't really think I learned anything in history that was really like necessary for me to you know live a full life and like you know be educated but it just sucked like I felt so stupid and I'm like how are how is how are we supposed to expect our peers to like know what we don't even know so that's why I give leniency a little bit of leniency on that but yeah that that yeah that was a wild ride for me I didn't realize how much I didn't know so it sucked
0: yeah I think I had like maybe one history teacher like my junior or senior year and he kind of started to teach us about the problematic history of like Columbus and indigenous peoples and yeah. stuff like that. And that's when I remember like, I was like, what? It wasn't all just Thanksgiving. We're all just pilgrims and oh my like God. whatever, <laughs> like sitting on a table, like breaking bread. Like I thought, I thought that's how it was. I didn't think it was like this. And so that was when that tiny drop of, okay, you've been taught probably <laughs> not accurate versions of history. So I think that's like the only inkling of a true history um, learning that I probably had at, at in high yeah, school.
1: Yeah, no, and that's, it's kind of sad, but uh, I think that's why it's important to, you know, we're on this like crazy journey right now, like with everything on social media and like there is, there are a lot of resources and like, especially if you surround yourself with, you know, like-minded people, you can learn that way as well. So like, I had to stop feeling sorry for myself for a little bit. Um, and just like put my I you know, immerse myself in it I I've taught myself stuff and I, I look things up like I was like I know this stuff is not this ain't factual <laughs> like, you know, like this is not all I need that I should know but I think it just it's up to us to figure that out
0: the whitewashing and the suppression of culture I know you can probably relate to that too being like a first gen a first generation in like a majority white dominant yeah. space um, I could relate to that too or like I didn't want to speak my language in front of people at school or like I didn't want to wear a traditional dress or have people see my Mandy or henna, because like I would get bullied for that. So I kind of like had to whitewash myself in all these ways. And growing up, once I moved out of Naperville, when I was like yeah. 18, I moved to the city. That's when I finally started to learn more about my culture because I had suppressed it for so long.
1: Yeah, no, I, and I agree as well. Like, I know you had, your weekends were a lot different than your weekdays and like church and all that. Like, I don't know if I was embarrassed. I think I was just, oh, this isn't cool. Like, you know, this is not American. So I'm going to be ashamed or whatever. Um, that sucked. And I think that like really fucked with my identity. I think, especially when I became more of an adult, I think I didn't know which side I belonged to because I, I whitewashed my own self. You know, I, I I allowed myself to feel more comfortable with what everybody wanted me to be. And that really sucked because now it's like it's real cool to be African now. And it's, you know, people are respecting you more. Like I used to be called names just for wanting to bring jello fries to like lunch, you know? Exactly. Like, you know, it's just like you know, I I wasn't allowed to appreciate my actual culture, especially my culture at home. I couldn't bring that to school. I couldn't bring that around my friends. Um, and that really sucked yeah
0: parents not understanding the importance of mental health either which is like in the context that like my parents grew up in mental health was a huge stigma like you don't even talk about it Um, taboo exactly yeah so i don't blame them at all for that but it definitely like added to this the challenges of like growing up as a bi poc in this white dominated space it's like You can't even talk to anybody about your mental health, really. When you go home, your parents don't really understand it. Or they're like, oh, is there something wrong with you? Or you're not grateful. No, I'm grateful, but I also have anxiety and depression. So (laughs) like. Yeah.
1: Like, I don't know if you felt this way, but it was kind of like, I don't know. Okay. I think everyone who belongs to immigrant parents, we have this different level of expectations. And so it's like everything's tripled and i'm not talking about like troy bolton he needs to win the game because his dad is like (laughs) i'm talking about like everything needs to be perfect and you know just being being like a black person like that alone like a black woman i have to work a little bit harder but like being an immigrant from an immigrant family that's like a triple whammy like i i couldn't go home and be sad i can't go home and even now it's like it's difficult like i can't express myself the way that i know i should be able to and that causes a lot of problems but like then you go back to the other part where you understand why your parents don't understand and i think that's very unfair but it is what it is but um yeah, it definitely messes with you a lot. You don't get to just be a person, I think sometimes, and you have to like be stronger than that.
0: We spoke on this a little bit, but I think we both relate in the sense where, like, after we moved away from Naperville, there was a lot of learning, like self-learning, and also learning about the general world as well that we had to accomplish as any person does, like in adulthood. But then all these additional challenges that you know we experienced growing up. I feel like that just added to that, like what you just said. So how did you build back this autonomy in your adulthood and build that self-esteem back up?
1: I would say in my adolescence, I really wanted to live up to people's expectations and I really cared about what people thought. And I think as soon as I graduated high school, I kind of was just like, fuck it. And I know I put stress on my family, but I really like had to think about myself for a change. And I had to be a little bit selfish. I had to be kind of the outcast that I knew I was going to be already. And I already knew I was. So it wasn't like a huge deal. But I I let that go. And I did what I wanted to do. I traveled. I, I left college. I, it wasn't for me at the time. It wasn't going to work out. You know, I chose to, you know, go to therapy for the first time. And even though my sister, and she definitely helped me with that. But like I, my mom, you know, she thought therapy was for crazy people. <laughs> but I went. And you know, I, that definitely helped. And, um, I think me just being a little bit more selfish with myself helped a lot. And I, I chose freedom because, you, you know, I'm weird. I am very expressive <laughs> online and stuff, but like, I, I just don't care. And I, I mean, I care for people's feelings, but I don't care about how people perceive me, I guess. And that's helped me a lot in navigating like what I need to do for myself and what works for me. There's been a lot of tough decisions I've had to make and I've had to hurt these feelings and um, i continue to have to still do that, unfortunately. But, you know, I think that's the only thing that was ever gonna help.
0: Yeah, I really like what you said is like, you had to just think about what was best for you because I think that's so important, especially from coming from a culture that's so community-based You mm-hmm. like lose yourself sometimes if you focus yeah. so much on others. So I always say like, there needs to be a balance, there has to be a balance between putting yourself first, but also thinking about other people as well. And if you strike that balance, there's a lot of beautiful things that can occur within yourself and for others as well. So how do you navigate this balance of all the different aspects of your cultures and also like your different identities as well?
1: I found it very helpful. Like when I moved to DC, like I feel like that was the beginning of me actually finding a true sense of community, and I think that really helps. Back in Naperville, I did not have any Nigerian-American friends. I didn't have anyone that really understood me, even mostly just like the Black Americans. I didn't really hang out because, I, you know, I felt like I didn't belong to either. So um, I think it was really helpful for me to make those connections Cause that helped me stay true to myself. But then also being okay, because I, I make friends with any, you know, I'm I'm pretty personal, I would like to say. I like I pretty much like anyone as long as you're nice and caring. So I didn't lose myself there, but I also allowed myself to be all these things. I just think it's important for me to understand like the value and the importance on each cultures that I have, because they're both amazing and that they both make me so if I can have both, that's, that makes me feel comfortable. That's what works for me.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And I know a lot of listeners might also identify as being a part of the LGBTQ plus. And so like, I know that intersects with culture as well, because a yeah. lot of cultures view that and approach that differently. So yeah. what was like your experience navigating that and what helped you and what didn't?
1: I just realized that there were going to be humps that I had to get over. So the first one is just coming out in general, which I don't think I really did, but I think people just figured out. Like, so that wasn't that was one thing. And then, but like coming out in the black community as well is like a different thing as well. Like it, just because I'm black doesn't mean they'll accept me, you know. So there there was two different types of pearls I had to come out to. Just thing I'll go back to again, like to the community. I think me just finding my people helps me out, and they they're my chosen family. So all I can do is just be grateful for that. I learned to just be okay with just that, because I realized that my mom is never going to accept me that way. And I think I'm still dealing with that till today. Like I'm, it's very recent. I'm still learning to just let that go and uh, let the fact that, you know, I want her to love me that way. I'm trying to let that go. It's just like be an adult and find my chosen family if I have to, you know. So
0: it sounds like what's helpful for you in navigating that is figuring out what is in your control and what is not yeah. your control. And there is a healing, a sense of healing in letting go of what's not in your yeah. control. Um, even though it is tough. And I definitely want to acknowledge that to go through that with your own family members, that is a very challenging and that can be a very tough thing to go through. And yeah. also there's this sense of like, okay, this is out of my control. At the end of the day, I can only control myself. And yeah. so I'm going to let go of this for yeah. my own inner peace.
1: And I can surround myself with who I want to be surrounded by. So it's kind of like, Before we were children, I didn't have a choice. (laughs) Like, you know, I had to go to school every day. You know, I had to be around these people who I didn't really, you know, chill with. But yeah, we're adults now. We can figure out where we want to live and you get to choose. So I think that's the freedom that I'm okay with. And I'll go with that. You know, especially what's going on right now. Everyone's kind of proactive and like sharing everything and um, being allies and stuff like that. I just think there needs to be an understanding that it is just more difficult for people, I guess, like me. I mean, I'm not going to cry about it, but it's definitely harder for me than a, you know, a white gay guy, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. That needs to be more in the forefront. Cause I think we can all spread, you know, we can share all these things and be a community and all that stuff, but like, it's still very hard. There's a big divide in our community still, not just the the heterosexuals, you know, it's it's, everywhere like we have a divide regardless if we want it or not people need to check their privilege a little bit and understand that like just because we're both queer doesn't mean we're on the same boat we might be in like the same water but not like we might be right in the same ways we're like not we're not the same boat
0: yeah it's kind of like how do you sit with yourself and just acknowledge all the different privileges that you have but also all the different identities that you have that come from a lack of privilege too and And can be like, you can be oppressed because of those identities as well. So how do you sit with both? You have identities where you do have privilege and then identities where you don't. So it's people having the humility to sit with all the different parts of themselves. This kind of leads us into talking about the Black Lives Matter movement. (sighs) Because... that is like very relevant to now and especially this past summer what are some of your like thoughts and feelings in reaction to the movement
1: you know it's felt really nice to be like a part of this uh monumental situation we're going through right now like everyone's kind of rallying together and like people who you don't expect are being very kind and all this stuff but i think my feelings are a mix of anger and appreciation (laughs) i just and like anxiety as well like I think my thing is I just pray to God that it's not just a trend, you know, this, all this posting and all this, you know, activist stuff. Like, I just hope it's not just like a trend to not feel bad about yourself for not doing it because I don't know. I have trust issues (laughs) when it comes to people's intentions and like their genuine character, but like, it's just hard for me to like forget how shitty a person has been to me about me existing in my color of my skin and all that stuff and then like two days later they're posting on their insta stories in support blm like putting on their bios and stuff like that it's just hard for me to separate those two but i I do understand like i appreciate growth like i appreciate change and i know that it's it's okay to like learn and then you know forgive all that stuff but it's just difficult i think um it's just hard (laughs) like i'll walk down the street and i'll see these like BL, BLM like signs and all that stuff and I'm like thank you but then I'm also like this is weird like why why do we need a sign to it's just like it's it sucks it's like a it's like a that's why I say an anger and appreciation like I just hate that we need to do all this for me to just walk down the street and like not be shot or something like that it, it's it's just hard you know this past year it was kind of like I realized that I'm like definitely a lot of people's only black friend <laughs> and <laughs> That like really came apparent this year because I was expected to teach people to love me properly. You know, I was expected to teach people to like have respect and just be a genuine person. And I was like, why do I have to do all that? Why do I have to do the extra work? I'm already tired, you know. And I think that was, I think, I, I think a lot of black people were just tired this year, this past year. I think it was just a lot and it was helpful, but it's also just like a lot. I mean, I just hope the movement keeps going, of course, but like, I just hope that it's real and not just a game i guess or like a distraction so those are my thoughts i guess about that
0: appreciate you sharing that and i really like what you said about being angry and appreciative at the same time yeah i think a lot of people don't realize that you can feel opposing things at the same time and there's like actually a point that we get to after we're done with adolescence And we're getting into adulthood where our brains develop in a way where we can process opposing emotions at the same time. So, like, when you're a kid and when you're a teenager, it's pretty much just one emotion at a time. Right. But when you get to adulthood, you start to feel multiple emotions at once that oppose each other, too. And I think a lot of people get really confused because they're like, why am I feeling happy but also sad? Why am I feeling angry but also appreciation? And I think that's a part of the human experience. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Yeah.
1: Like us. And it, it sucks. I don't want it to come off. Like, I, I'm sure a lot of black people feel this way, they, they don't want it to come off. Like we're not grateful, but like, it just sucks that we have to do all this work, you know? And I think it's just exhausting for us, but we appreciate Of course. We definitely appreciate. I know that.
0: I would say like for listeners to just like, do the work versus asking your black friends or like other bi POC friends to do the work for you like ask first have I done everything in my power to seek out resources and have I educated myself you know I would I would like reflect on that before you reach out to your yeah And
1: that's the only thing I think that's all we I wish that we all could have said that collectively but I think everyone was just scared. So it was, you
0: know, but I appreciate you speaking on that. Yeah, of course. I know you also mentioned that you do have experience going to therapy. I've been focusing a lot in my own grad school program, um, becoming a therapist myself on the BIPOC experience in therapy and how that mm-hmm. looks very different than the standard yeah. white narrative of going to therapy. So what has been your personal experience of going to therapy and what has worked for you and what hasn't worked? Well, I
1: started off, we just kind of picked one with my first one and, you know, that was fine and it was great, but I did realize there was something missing. And I think I was so involved with this therapist that like, I didn't want to lose any progress because it's really difficult, you know, the process of finding a therapist, you have to go through those assessments and stuff like that and it's like trauma bring up trauma all the time and all that so i I think I just picked one and I went with it but I yeah there's definitely something that I needed more from her so she was just like you know a white woman but yeah she was nice and she was kind but i I definitely realized there was something missing and so I had my first black therapist and that was like a mind opening experience I didn't think it mattered I think when I went into therapy, you know, if it was a black person or whatever color they were, but she definitely, or he, sorry, the first one, he definitely was uh, what I was lacking. I needed that. And it was really helpful. Just having what really worked for me was like having that routine. Like I looked forward to Fridays. Those were my favorite days. Like I would go and it was like kind of like a refresher before the weekend and it was nice. And I think also just not selling yourself short, <laughs> just making sure like you check all those boxes, like don't, uncheck a box when you're looking for a therapist just because you're like, oh, I don't know if this is gonna work. Make sure all your needs are met. I think I had to learn that the hard way a little bit. Making sure that, you know, they were attending to me because, you know, that's the whole point. (laughs) Having all my needs met was like the most important thing.
0: I really like how you said don't sell yourself short because I feel like I did that in the beginning of my therapy too. Like I was, my personality is I always try to make other people feel really comfortable And, like, my therapist had me out on that. Like, she's like, Why do you care so much about my feelings? She's like, This is about you. Like, she's like, You're paying me for these services. Then you, like, I can take care of my feelings. Like, if you say something that makes me feel a type of way, my job is to set aside a time in my personal life to work through that. This hour is about you. So she's like, please don't sugarcoat anything. Please don't like, you know, be cautious. She's like, this is all about you. So just, just be, you, you know, and I'm like, damn, what?
1: Like- I suck at having things being about me, like all the way <laughs> up. <laughs> like, I like, I think I would ask her questions. Like, <laughs> that's that cancer to me, but, um, yeah. <laughs> That's very important, you're not lying.
0: Having a, a bi POC therapist was very important for me. I am still working through some traumas that I went through growing up around white people. So I think yeah. to expect me to be vulnerable in a space with a white person just felt, yeah. I don't know how to say this like lightly, but it just felt violent. So yeah. I was like, I needed to have a woman of color there because... She would just get it without me having to spend the emotional energy trying to explain stuff. Right. Right.
1: Oh, Jesus. I you know, that's funny because I remember with my first therapist, we you know, the first session was just me like trying to explain why I'm explaining what I'm explaining. And then I'm sorry, like my this black therapist that I had, we just dove right in. He already knew. I didn't even have to say much. He read my file. He was Like, okay, I get it. <laughs> so, I understand. <laughs> like, where are you from? Where are your parents from? And you even asked, like, where's your mom from specifically? I was like, oh no, we get it. We're fine. <laughs> We're gonna go with that. No, that's it's important though, for real.
0: Yeah, and I think I was like, I know you watched This Is Us, right? Cool. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That episode when he was talking to, what was he talking, He was talking to his sister. That, that line, and then when he had to change the therapist in the car, or whatever. Yeah. I wish I could have just had that clip to send to people yeah. in any situation.
0: <laughs> to send to your white therapist,
1: <laughs> white therapist, like, or to my friend when he was talking to his sister, like, uh, like you no, know, whenever all the white people were trying to like be nice and help you during this emotional time of black people getting shot um I wish I could have just said that because that was like exactly what I wanted to say I just didn't have those words like damn
0: that was so powerful like when I saw that I literally was like this representation is so important for so many reasons I don't think we see therapy in general represented in an accurate and positive yeah. way in media let alone people of color going to therapy but, but like a
1: black man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a black man yeah that that yeah that was great it was really really well represented so.
0: yeah i think that like this is us and insecure i don't know do you yeah
1: want to oh yeah yeah
0: but like i saw like, a, a very powerful representation of uh by poc going to therapy
1: yeah yeah
0: definitely also, like I know that we talked a lot about some challenges that, like you faced, um, and also some positives too. Ways that you rebuilt that autonomy and stuff. So, despite all of the challenges and everything that you faced in life, what helped you cope, and also what advice would you give to listeners?
1: Give yourself a break. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Like relax, like you really need to just not be too hard on yourself because I spent years just hurting my own self when I didn't have to do that. And I wish I could have bypassed that step that I had to get to get to where I am. Um, I'm not perfect at all. I'm still going through the same old shit. I'm just dealing with it differently. I think just learning about your trauma and finding out that you have any is vital. So therapy is amazing for you know, any of that. But um, just from there, you can learn how to heal yourself and you can learn how to take all those resources that are actually out there for you to heal yourself. Yeah. And I realize again, having a good community is very, very important because I felt severely alone in my situation. I literally thought I was like the only person going through what I was going through, which sounds probably crazy, but your mind can do that kind of game. Just making sure you surround yourself by people who love you and like learn how to trust people too. I know that like, it's hard because I, like I said, I have trust issues, but everyone is pretty much going through the same thing, you know, not the same thing, but like we're going through something and that's enough to like be a leeway into compassion to whatever you're going through. So, you know, those funny memes that we all post and repost and stuff, like there's a reason why we can repost those. And there's a reason why we all like can laugh because we realize, oh, we're not by ourselves. So we can get through anything, you know, you know, if we just have that compassion for each other and be open open to uh, forgiveness because I had to do that a lot because that helps you heal
0: and all that. I I really like what you said. like, how do you, because I've had like people ask me this question and I have like my own way of answering it, but how do you decide whether someone or like a relationship in your life is like a healthy one or like a toxic one or like somebody that you might have to let go of?
1: It is, well, because there's always denial. You don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and you don't want to hurt your own feelings, but like energy is very important and we all feel it. It's, at, it, whether you believe in that stuff or not, like you know, you just know like how a person makes you feel. Like when you're excited to meet someone, regardless of if, if you have depression or anxiety, like you know how you feel around that person. And like you can look at your history and see how many times has this person made me feel this way, you know, or whatever. Um I've had to do that. And I think I'm actually at a point with someone right now that is very, very close to me that um I don't think I should be in their presence as much as I want to. So I think you just learn, you just learn from the energies, you know, and had to do that this past few days. So I think uh, that's all you can really do. I mean, you just listen to your body. Because I think we we like to repress stuff. And we like to, you know, numb ourselves all the time. And like just don't do that. Like, at least try one time and you'll see like, you know, who's meant to be in your life that way
0: yeah exactly i like that like how do you feel in your body when yeah someone when you're around somebody or even when you're like texting somebody because like you can feel people's yeah. energy through text messages yeah. <laughs> and i don't know if that's just me because i have a moon in pisces so I, like i feel like i'm very psychic or like very like intuitive to people's me too. no <laughs>
1: I, and that's, and that's why like, I'm okay when someone texts me and I don't want to text back right away. I don't, if I don't feel like I'm going to give off the right energy, I will not. I learned to do that very recently, in the, at least the past year, I was like, I really don't want to give off that vibe because I know that it's not personal, Just how I'm feeling. Cause I know people can feel energy through text messages. Cause I do all the time, you know, your body knows, even if it doesn't want to, that's why trauma is weird. Cause it's like, there's that automatic response that you can't control it doesn't matter like you know so that's my only advice I guess on that because just trust yourself
0: yeah like getting in tune with that gut feeling and that intuition yeah. that's been a big journey for me to like just like because I feel like I've my intuition has always been working but like I just needed to listen to it I just oh yeah
1: it's always there
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it didn't just like pop up and be like hey bitch no it literally it's been there <laughs> that's what they say meditate and it doesn't matter if your mind is racing or all that stuff like just sit with yourself for five seconds and you'll feel things and you'll you know you'll realize oh man okay you just can't be stubborn we're just stubborn beings you know that's all that it is
0: yeah like all those i don't know if you've seen those memes when my angels are like or that when the universe tries to send me like signs but i don't listen or something i swear to god and i and
1: it's funny because like i laugh but like i'm like yeah she's not lying <laughs> she's not lying um it's fine <laughs> and it's okay it's a journey and it's an experience and you don't get everything right the first time but just be patient with yourself you know give yourself a break like i said that's what i have to do you know
0: exactly yeah and I think also for me what helped was like just realizing how I'm like a reflection of the people that I keep around me so I know that I will literally start to like my personality will kind of shift based off of people that are around me and I would that like certain people would bring out certain things in myself that I didn't really like so I was like maybe this is a sign that we should probably shouldn't hang out either
1: Yeah, no, I understand that. It's always those like those high school relationships, like where you think, "Oh, we've been friends for like ten plus years, so we have to be friends." Like, no, you really don't, and they don't actually have to have done anything wrong, which is something people need to learn as well. It's okay to just grow up and move on a little bit. You know, everyone's going through their own thing and own paths and stuff. You don't have to go down with them or anything, but that's hard. So it's not an easy thing,
0: especially with for me, like with white friends, I feel like a little bit, I, I feel you on the trust issues. And like I said, I'm working on this in therapy, yeah. um, but I do have that extra trust issue, especially when I meet white people for the first time, I have this extra guard up versus when I meet a bi POC for the first time. Yeah. I feel a little bit more comfortable. So I think with a white friend, for me, it's like, if you're going to be my friend and you're white, you have to be an advocate for me. Like if we're in public and some racist shit goes down, I need you to like be front and center and like step up and say shit. Because I I will always speak up for myself, but I need to look around and know that my friends will also like stand with me, you know?
1: That was a good example of like people you, who you should like surround yourself with because I, and I love these people. It's not like they're bad people, but I look back and I'm like, wow, either they just don't realize what just happened. That's definitely how I weeded people out this year or this past year. Because I'm like, some people really just didn't say shit. No, they didn't, they act like nothing was going on. Everything was fine. Like hitting me up like it was a normal day. Like, well, I'm tired. Like, you, know like? Like, you want to hang out where? Like, what? We're in a whole pandemic. <laughs> Some guy just got shot. Like, I'm I am exhausted. Like, why would I want to leave him like, you know, it reading the room, I think I should say. You're right. You're definitely right.
0: Yeah, definitely. And like also the uh the last thing I wanted to mention was the self-compassion piece. I really like that you brought that up Mm because you were like, it's important to just be compassionate with yourself. And I think that's something that I've started to learn and work on like recently, because I am a very critical person and I know where that stems from now. It stems from like adults that were around me when I was little that were critical. So then Mm -hmm. I just grew up to have this like inner critic. It's really harsh. You wouldn't talk to your friend, like how your inner critic would talk to you. Yeah. really mean sometimes. You just be
1: saying the worst things to yourself. I'm like, I would never let us,
0: like, let my friend be talked to
1: that way. And I have that too. Like that, and that affected everything. Like I grew up with like trying to be this person and whatever and like trying to be perfect and all that stuff. And now I'm like, it's hard for me to even put out a project that I know is good. You know, it's, it's, it it affects every aspect of your life though. I, I do believe in that. You can learn learn to unlearn that stuff
0: being critical of ourselves for by poc i think that also stems from like oppression because yeah. like to be critical of yourself that's something that we learn from society oh we have to treat ourselves in this harsh way we yeah. have to be perfectionist in order to move forward or at be at the same you know in the same playing field as white people so I think it's, like, another thing that people of color have to unlearn is, like, we don't have to be, we don't have to treat ourselves the way society
1: treats We should treat ourselves better.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, thank you again for sitting down with me today and, like, sharing your insight. I really appreciate it. Do you have any, like, last thoughts that you want to leave with the listeners?
1: Be compassionate. Be kind to yourself and to others. And don't act like you're the only person going through something because we are all in it okay, we're all in it, and I just hope that lets you navigate through all this craziness that's going on right now, and, uh, yeah, just be kind.
0: I love that, and also, where can people find you if they want to, like, look you up on social media or follow you? Where can they find you best?
1: Oh, (laughs) I'm not going to give you my Twitter, but... um... My Instagram is Mischief Managed with a capital T at the end. Um, I am actually, I have a new YouTube channel that I'm trying to put out this year. It's called Ade And I'll be posting content on there very soon. Um, and then also my brother um, has this company called Bar Life. It's a high quality wearable tech company. So we have backpacks that charge your phone, your laptop and all that. And this company supports underrepresented kids um, for STEM careers and all of that. So we do a lot of workshops with that. And yeah, so you should, you'll be helping some kids learn some things, stay in school, <laughs> go to college, all that. So yeah, that's what I got for you guys. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. I've seen that on social media. Like those backpacks yeah. are like so sleek. Like there's They're like-
1: very nice, actually. And I'm not just saying that, like... <laughs> You look good and like you're, you're protected. you got your, your charging stuff. Like you never can like say your phone's dead. So it's nice. And you're helping kids. Yeah,
0: (laughs) exactly. Yeah. So um, I will put all of that in the episode notes. So listeners, if you want to check all that out and check Adalola out, Um, she also goes by Lexley. So if you see. Yeah.
1: Either or we have a lot of names. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so yeah, check her out, show her some love, and thank you again for being here.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure.
0: As always, I thank you for listening and staying tuned. If you like this episode, feel free to share it with the people in your life. I would also really appreciate if you would subscribe to Synergy Cast on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Give it a five-star rating and leave a good review mentioning what you like about the podcast. You can also follow the Instagram for updates, at SynergyCast, and I have also included that in the episode notes. I have now a new feature, which is a voice memo feature, which I am very excited about. So if you would like to send in your thoughts and your feelings or your personal experiences, feel free to record a voice memo and send it my way. I would love to include your voice in the next podcast episodes. Lastly, if you are willing and able, there is another new feature where you can donate however much money you want to help support Synergy Cast financially. If you do choose to donate, The money would help me pay for several things. It would help me pay for myself, my own energies, my own efforts, and also the money would help pay my future guests, especially people of color, for their time, since I believe it is very important to compensate people of color, especially for their time and energy, since many BIPOC which stands for black, indigenous, and people of color, have a history of being taken advantage of and underpaid or not paid at all for their efforts. So any and all ways you choose to support would be very much appreciated. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more episodes coming your way soon. Stay safe, everyone, and take care.